Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Let's go! Get this all going, man! Is it me, or does this town seem a little bit buzzed right now? As if somebody just took one of our fingers and just plugged it into a socket. Man, last night over on camp, it was just electric. So cool. So cool. Leprechaun Lunch, I am Jim Rosari. It's brought to you by South Bend Orthopedics. Trusted in the community for over 75 years. Also brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. A little bit different uh, order to things today on uh, on today's show, which, you know, every so often I just kind of like to th- take things and throw it up against the wall and see if it sticks. Uh, today, very special guest joining us uh, from the opposing press box itself. Uh this gentleman here is a, a five-time Ohio Broadcaster of the Year by the National Sports Media Association, also an Ohio Broadcaster Hall of Fame member, class of uh, 2007. It's Paul Keels, the voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Hello, Paul. You said special guest, Jim. I was ready to get out of the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's that modesty they always talk about. Uh, so... Before we get into the whole game, and of course, I'm, I'm sure that's why you're going to be here in town. Uh, the Big Ten is, has been such a uh, uh, a lightning rod for, well, pretty much all sorts of events happening with it. Uh, the expansion out to the West Coast, you've got U- USC and UCLA joining up next year, Oregon and Washington in 2024. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Big Ten right now and where it's heading. Well, it's been interesting to watch, even since when they went back and added Nebraska in 2011, and then really surprised people when they added Maryland and Rutgers, and that probably still surprises a lot of people. But, you know, I think we all knew, Jim, that the way college athletics, and in particular college football, were going, that these conferences were not going to exist as we all knew. So I think one of the things the Big Ten has done is they've been at the forefront in trying to be ahead of everybody so that they don't, number one, lose out on any potential candidates that they feel fit their model, and number two, not be left behind in everything. So, you know, there, there's also a lot of thought that, you know, one of these days we're looking at probably a small number of super conferences. So the, the Big Ten's been, you know, while they can be criticized for some things, they've been very good about trying to be proactive in increasing their reach, uh, you know, now going all the way from New Jersey to Los Angeles. <laughs> It always strikes me as odd seeing on the Big Ten Network you've got Rutgers versus Maryland. 
what? Um, as somebody who grew up, as somebody who grew up, you know, on the East Coast, and you know, had Rutgers in the Big East, and and Maryland was in the ACC, it's like it's still uh, all these years later, it still looks just weird to me. Uh, As far as Ohio State goes uh, with the expansion, you know, they've typically had to just worry about Penn State and Michigan as far as the Big Ten championship goes for football. But like I said, USC and UCLA join up next year. Oregon and Washington are on the way. Can you chalk it up to just you know kind of life on the top? Everybody wants a piece of the uh, you know wants a piece of the pie, or uh, you know, does it just not make any sense whatsoever to you? It doesn't make any sense to me, but nobody asked other than you, Jim. <laughs> um, it, you know, it, 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 as we all know, it's you know TV is the tail that wags the dog, and. You know, that was some of the thought with Maryland and Rutgers that you were getting into uh, major metropolitan eastern media markets. But those, as you know, being from the east, those are pro sports markets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, adding UCLA, USC, it ties into the Los Angeles market. But what's that really going to do? Uh, you know, the Seattle market with Washington, potentially the Portland market with Oregon. Maybe that adds something. But, you know, certainly what Fox has done in helping create the Big Ten's picture has a lot to do with it all. So it, a lot of it has, you know, getting the media rights, getting the media money that comes with it. So of course, certainly some of those new members are going to have to wait for a while before they start getting full shares. But it's more of, you know, not getting left behind by the schools and the conferences. The voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes, Paul Keels, joining me on Leprechaun Launch on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Do you think Gene Smith's successor and Ryan, you know, and Ryan Day as well, uh, you think they feel good about the college football playoff expanding to 12? I think so. Now, (laughs) there's still a lot of questions that come with that. Um, What's it going to do to the regular season schedule? Yeah. Um, You know, I, I, I think that probably any athletic director and coach probably see what the expansion of that does is it means that one loss even more so than now, doesn't necessarily take you out of the picture. Probably two losses may not take you out of the picture, depending on who the losses are and who your wins are. So it's one of those things that's it's, it's going to be constantly a moving picture. Um, you know, around here, yes, with this being Gene Smith's last year, I think he finishes up at the end of May, beginning of June. Um, you know, there's a lot of thought about just what that's going to do to the overall picture. Gene's one of the longest tenured athletic directors that Ohio State has had. There have been great success not only in football, but uh, a number of other of the Olympic sports that have won national championships. So it's, you know, with 36 sports, there's a lot to navigate here, uh, with football being not the least of it all. So it's a picture that is probably going to change a lot, but I think everybody's curious to see what that does. How does it affect scheduling? Because now that you're adding USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, what does that do with you know, how you're going to schedule other non-conference opponents. Uh, even though Ohio State has something coming up with Texas, they have Alabama coming up uh, somewhere down the road, not too terribly far away. So, But how's it going to affect everybody else with those games? And, and are we going to continue to see games like possibly Ohio State and Notre Dame? How does that get affected by it all? Gene Smith, I like he's got to be counting down the days until June. Right just man his wife might be but no, wife, you know what? And, right. and here's the thing and you and you guys have a great tie to gene because he played there and mm-hmm. was an assistant coach there but he, you know he's done a remarkable job at ohio state and has had to deal with some difficult situations mm-hmm. as everybody dealing with a pandemic 
uh, making changes with popular coaches. Um, but, you know, that's kind of what comes with with the story of the athletic director. There were a lot of people thought Gene would have been a candidate to, to be the new Big Ten commissioner. And he served on the NCAA tournament board and was the chairman for one year. So he's a guy that – and the thing that you hear, especially what you hear Ryan Day talk about, Gene, having been a football player and the other sports and the other coaches probably can relate to it, having been – a Division One student athlete. He's got a perspective that maybe not a lot of athletic directors have or can make happen. Is there any inside track as to as far as who's going to take that spot? You know, like around here, the, 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 the big uh, the big you know conversation. Of course, our athletic director as well, Jack Swarbrick, is uh, is retiring, uh, but they've already named his replacement in uh, in Pete Bavacqua, who used to be with NBC Sports. Uh, any mm. any inside track as far as uh, who's going to be taking over for for Gene? Well, there's a lot of candidates because of having worked under Gene at Ohio State as associate mm. ads. Uh, Pat Chun at Washington State, uh, who also had spent time at Florida Atlantic, and he worked in a number of different departments in the athletic department at Ohio State. Actually, I believe one of Pat's daughters is in school at Ohio State as a student. You have Martin Jarman, who's at UCLA. Before that, he was at Boston College, but he spent time working at Gene. Uh, here at Ohio State. Uh, Heather Like, who's the AD at Pitt, her name has kind of been talked about a lot. Again, somebody who spent a lot of time at Ohio State uh, working underneath Gene Smith. So those are some of the names with ties to Ohio State that have been kicked about a lot. There's probably some other outside names that uh, maybe have no tie whatsoever, but those are the ones that have been mentioned around here at least a lot. <laughs> There's got to be somebody with the with the Pac-12 just going, you know, with the with the person associated with uh with Oregon State just going, oh no, oh no, just just <laughs> from loose connections and, and and just trying to keep that ship above uh, above water. Uh, you're also the voice of uh, Ohio State men's basketball as well. All of the expansion. How, how do you feel about it from a basketball standpoint? And I guess you know, kind of from an Olympic sport aspect as well just having all that travel added to things well here's the guess jim probably what will happen if you remember back in the days in the big 10 in the you know 70s 80s when they had travel partners and i think you're going to see that with basketball in the olympic sports so for example ohio state would make a trip out west and they would play both the ucla and usc maybe within a a three, four-day period. Same thing if they swung through the Northwest with Oregon and Washington, and, and possibly also in those schools come to the Midwest or to the East. They play more than one game per trip. Um, so, I, And then with some of the other Olympic sports, there may be a little more regionalization put together where not everybody's going to see everybody. Mm. So that's just a guess. Who knows? But, you know, that's the challenge that these athletic departments are facing, especially, you know, the, the Olympics, which the Olympic sports, which people at times refer to as non-revenue sports, just with some of the cost that's involved in all of that. So, but you just have to guess you're going to see a travel partner type of situation. So let's say, you know, back, back in the seventies and eighties, Ohio state and Indiana were travel partners. So you could see the Buckeyes and the Hoosiers both on the same four-day period going to L.A. Uh, and playing the two L.A. schools in one throw. Hmm. Okay. Uh, with with money basically controlling the move and you know the the billions of dollars that's being thrown at the Big Ten now, um, do, does do you feel that it takes away at all that you know we're kind of losing sight? of what these conferences were set up for. They were set up for the student-athlete to compete. And we're just kind no of question. forgetting the uh, the whole student aspect of it. 
Uh, there's no question. And, you know, there are those people who will tell you, you know, with the ability to do classes and studying virtually and everything, that may be lessen some of the effect of that. But, oh, no, that's a fair question that comes up with people, that it's not about the student-athletes. I think the other thing that it, it, it creates a challenge is, you know, think about the families of these student-athletes. Think about, yeah. you know, the parents of the football players. Okay, a lot of them this weekend to make the trip to South Bend, especially if they're Midwestern families. Okay, it's not that much of a challenge, at least as far as, the, the, you know, being able to get there. Now, maybe getting tickets is another thing. But, you know, now when you're talking about going to the Northwest, when you're going to the West Coast, that creates more of a challenge. So, and, and it just, at least, you know, as somebody who grew up in a Big Ten state here in Ohio, you kind of lose that Big Ten Midwestern feel you had. But that went out the door quite a while ago. So it's just one of those things that, you know, those of us of the older generation, you know, we can't be the get-off-my-lawn person. You have to learn that <laughs> the change is inevitable and the change has already happened and it's probably going to continue to happen. <laughs> like Nebraska still throws me off as, as being in the Big Ten, for crying out loud. Uh, like, and that's been, like you said, forever now. Uh, getting to the game. Are you actually in town yet? Not yet. Get there okay. probably about 6 p.m. this evening. Okay. You will, you will notice kind of an electricity because uh, uh, we don't see too many of these you know, giant top 10 matchups, or at least we haven't uh, of, of late. You got any advice for the citizens of South Bend on how to handle this weekend? <laughs> That's an interesting one. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting in for us to, and actually once we get in, we're coming into South Bend, but we're staying in Elkhart. Uh, oh, okay. The team is staying in South Bend. Uh, yeah, the, the hotel rates are just, as you can imagine, uh, Jeez, yeah. quite challenging. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Ohio State fans, as you can imagine, and maybe have already seen, travel very, very well. So I would say for the citizens there, uh, especially for a fan group that hasn't been there in, what, 30 years, yeah. um, you're going to see a lot of Scarlet and Gray walking around. You're going to see a lot of Ohio State fans that are pumped to be at a place that most have probably never been to. So hopefully there's some good interaction. Uh, there's some friendly jousting, but, uh, you know, the Ohio State fan base, for the most part, is a pretty good and a pretty congenial fan base. So uh, just I, I would say that, you know, for the folks of South Bend, don't be surprised at how much Scarlet and Greg you see walking around the streets. Mm. That could be a, a touchy subject around here anyway. <laughs> the last thing, when, when Georgia came up here, you know, all, all people could talk about was how much red was in the crowd at Notre Dame Stadium. And it was like, okay, all right, maybe you shouldn't have all sold your tickets then, you know? Um, so just, just a hunch. As far as the game goes, uh, it, it took a little bit, but Ryan Day finally named uh, Kyle McCord as QB1. Was that a result of Ryan Day needing to see McCord deal with real in-game scenarios, or was it just not clear who who quarterback one should have been at the end of camp? Well, I think it was a combination of things. It was the first thing you said, too. Even though Kyle McCord had, you know, he, this is his third year in a program. He had one start previous to this year when C.J. Stroud was injured. And he's been on the field a lot, but a lot of those were in mop-up duties when the game was pretty much decided. So probably getting a chance to see him in more live game situations when the game was just starting or when the game was still hanging in the balance. There also was a feeling, too, that Devin Brown, the redshirt freshman who's the backup, uh, really was making a push at times during the summer camp. So it was an opportunity to you know kind of leave the door open for possibly – you know, McCord to either take the job and run with it or Brown to cloud it up by playing well. Um, 
but there was always a feeling for those of us in the media and everything that eventually it was going to be Kyle McCord just because of experience, just because of everything he had seen. Brown had only played in two games last year and had not even attempted a pass. And there really was a clear indication of it in the opening game at Indiana when uh, Ryan Day wanted to play both, but when the game was still somewhat close after Brown had been in there, he went back to McCord. And so there's a comfort factor there. There's the fact that McCord has been around this receiving group for quite a while. He and Marvin Harrison are high school teammates. You know, maybe we make too much out of that, but um, certainly just seeing him now handle situations in a live game from start to finish, I think it's probably had a lot to do with it, but it was also giving Devin Brown the opportunity possibly to show that maybe it still should have been a question. Yeah, being being, I would imagine having as much time as possible with Marvin Harrison Jr. running routes for you, I'm sure that helps with his comfort level just a little bit. Uh, you would think so, <laughs> right? Uh, Paul Keels from the uh, from the Ohio State University, the play-by-play voice of the Buckeyes, joining me on Leprechaun Lunch. Which is going to be the more important battle tomorrow? Is it going to be Notre Dame's secondary against those Ohio State wide receivers, or is it going to be Notre Dame's running backs against the Ohio State front seven? Boy, that's that's a tough one to pick because they both could be very huge. If having to choose one, it might be seeing how Ohio State's defense can not only try and limit Audric Estime with as well as he's run the football, but also have an effect on Sam Hartman, who's you know off yeah. to an outstanding start with the way he's thrown the football and the way he's played. Uh, this Ohio State defensive line, you, you look, they're they're really they've only got five sacks this year, but they played. Indiana, who started with a triple option at the beginning of the game, and then they played other teams who got rid of the ball in the hurry. So there weren't really a lot of legitimate sack opportunities. But if that defensive line can put some pressure, which would be hard to do given the the experience that Notre Dame has on the offensive line, but if they can put some pressure, force Hartman into some bad decisions, and, and then a defense that really last year would cost Ohio State in their two most important games, Michigan and Georgia, that gave up explosive plays, if this defense can limit those explosive plays and they've been able to do that not against the same type of talent they're going to see tomorrow but if they're able to do that that's probably something that could be a more determining factor than maybe the other way around now having said all of that you know we've been able to see with what marvin harrison and emeka yabuka and julian fleming can do not to mention the tight end play of kate stover and g scott uh, you know that, that certainly is going to be something that is an issue for notre dame to have to resolve where do you think we're going to go as far as point total goes? It's 55 and a half. Are we going over that or are we staying under it? You know, I, and it's been hard to figure a lot of that this year, Jim, because of the new clock rules. Uh, really, last week was the only time that Ohio State was able to kind of play beyond that. Uh, but I would tend to think that that number's probably spot on, not being a, a wagering expert. But, you know, this is a game that a lot of people seem to think has the potential to see a lot of points and go back and forth. Would not be surprised if that happens. Okay. <laughs> I just, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out just where, where do I want to put like a couple of bucks, you know, just, just in case, just in case. This, this is a tough one to do that. On. It, really it really is. is. It really is. Uh, and, and there's so many good games this weekend too. It's like last week was kind of a drought and then all of a sudden we're getting the, uh, the dump truck just, you know, backing up and, and un- unloading on all of us as far as college football goes this weekend, which, I'm not exactly complaining about. Uh, Paul Keels, five-time Ohio Broadcaster of the Year, Ohio uh, Ohio Broadcaster Hall of Fame, 
voice of the Ohio State Buckeyes, and uh, for the past uh, 15, 20 minutes or so, uh, an actual reason to listen to this radio station. Uh, I, I, do, <laughs> I do appreciate you taking the time. Uh, safe travels. We'll catch up in the, uh, in the press box tomorrow. All right, Jim. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. It'll do. Like, like, I, I'm not going to lie. I was starting to get lost in his voice. <laughs> That's a great set of pipes right there. Not going to lie. That is a great set of pipes. Uh, more to come with Leprechaun Lunch. That is, uh, that is forthcoming. Of course, Leprechaun Lunch brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Also by South Bend Orthopedics. Trusted in the community for over 75 years. Leprechaun Lunch, rolling on next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 